We'll be reading out of 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9 this morning. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through it, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. May God bless the reading of his word. You all can take a seat. Excited you all are here with us. Uh, I know that the climate is changing, so um, I've got a fantastic cough. Hopefully you all have avoided any of the uh, health ills that come with the the transitioning of the seasons. Um, If you look around, you are going to see that we have invited those who are four and up to be in with us in service. So this is going to be the reminder for the next few weeks. There are going to be some ridiculously cute children around you longer than in past weeks. So if you see a harried parent with their eyes open and they cannot believe what their children are doing, don't return that gaze, but instead have a smile and help out if you need to. Uh, I'm excited to have my kids here. It actually is great when they get to, they get to dialogue about what they heard me say, which is both encouraging and weird because they were listening. So um, I'm excited to have them with us. I'm excited to have you all with us. Summer is here. Who's excited that summer is here? Yeah. Okay. So we're excited. It's here. Uh, It is upon us and uh, it's warm. It's just getting warmer and warmer. This is the first day of real humidity and we've already had to call to have the AC looked at it in the building. So get excited. Here comes summer. Uh, So how many of you, by a show of hands, are from Texas? You are born and raised here, and since you are raising your hands, you are still here. Okay, excellent. Now, who is an interloper from another state, another place, and now you call Texas home? So that looks about 50-50. So uh, welcome interlopers. I'm glad to be numbered with you. Uh, I think no matter if it is our, uh, if we are here in Texas or we are from somewhere else, at some point we've had to travel someplace that was not home, that was not where you were from. And we all know what it means, or I should say what it feels like to be an outsider. You know, when you show up to a new place and there's just, there's some things about the, the culture that are a little bit different. See, some of us, when we arrive, we, we look different. We sound different. We support some better teams. That's right. Wait, Ty, this is for you. It's in the notes. Sometimes we make comments in the new culture or place that we think are funny, but only make us more clearly an outsider. 
So we get it. It's okay. When we get from an old culture and we come in to a new culture, there's that adjustment period. It's trying to figure out, okay, what was, what am I about or what was I about and what can stay? And then I'm in a new culture. I'm in a new place. I am a a new person. What needs to change? What needs to change when we are new and in a new culture? Today, we're going to launch into a six-week series uh, into 1 Peter called Everyday Church. The author, the namesake, Peter, starts off and he writes in verse 1 and he says, This is to the elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Now, with a little map work, you can see. So this is the map uh, of where these places are where they were, I should say, back when it was written. And this, these are the areas that Peter is sending it to. Now, with a little map work, we can see this is essentially modern-day Turkey. And so, next map, all of this space. This is where this letter is going to. And he's in Rome, so far left side of your map. He is in Rome, writing to these people, these new Christians, who are coming to find themselves in this new faith. And with this new faith, they're actually finding out, oh, I was in this old culture with these old ways, the ways that I'm familiar with, the ways that I grew up with. They didn't have to move. Instead, they found themselves now in Christ, and with Christ comes this new culture. And so they're saying, wow, how do I live out this newness when I'm surrounded by the old? What does it mean to be an elect exile in the dispersion. When they look around and they have their newness, they're looking and they're saying, I feel, I feel weird. I feel scared. I feel tired. I'm confused. I'm weak. I'm doubtful. They're asking themselves questions like, what does it actually mean to be a Christian? Why am I a Christian? Is it worth it? How does this look different than others who aren't Christians. This is hard. This is hard. How can I keep this up? How can I go about living this life so that other people can see that Jesus is good and that they can come and be a part of this new culture too? Peter is writing to these, the elect exiles of the dispersion, to encourage them in their faith, to remind them who they are, to remind them whose they are, and how to live as the church in the everyday, so that people come to actually know Jesus, not know about him, but have a relationship with him. If you've arrived today feeling like they felt, if you're asking similar questions, or maybe simply you need encouragement in the everyday, I hope that you're going to be here not just today, but through the rest of this series, because Peter is treating our questions that we have. Will you pray with me? Jesus, I thank you so much for every single soul that you have brought into this room. This is your working. This is no accident. And I ask that you move in this space, move in these hearts, draw our eyes towards you, and keep us looking at you. In your name we pray. Amen.
Okay, so if you have a Bible, if you brought it with you, grab your Bible. If you would like a Bible and you did not bring one with you, just slip your hand up and Jesse will grab that for you. Just hold it up and then he'll hit you with, well, he won't hit you with a Bible. He will hand it to you. He's a lot nicer than I am. Uh, As you are en route, here's what our time this morning is going to look like. We're going to look at Jesus as we go through 1 Peter chapter 1. We're going to look at Jesus and see that he is actually their hope. And our hope, in spite of all the things that are happening in their lives, Jesus is the hope. And then we're going to look uh, at them, at this people, who are going to look at Jesus as their holiness and unpack what that actually means. And then we're actually going to see how hope and holiness interact not just with them, but with us today. Okay, so this is where we're going. So open your Bibles, 1 Peter chapter 1. As you are looking at verse 1, understand this is written in about A.D. 62 to 64, somewhere in there. Uh, There's a lot of people guessing when this was written. There are some clues that Peter gives us in the text. And since he is noting about the trials and the things that they are going through, we're pretty sure it's under Nero that he is writing this letter. Um, Pardon me. So this is being written to Christians in the Roman Empire. It's in this area era that we see persecution increasing. So um, persecution, it used to be okay. If they were Christians, it was just kind of weird. Uh, but it's moved on from weirdness to people are being persecuted. They are kind of being pushed to the outside. And in the very near future, it's already happening in some places in the Roman Empire, but Christians are dying for their faith. Nero will continue on to kill Christians just because they're Christians. And so this is already happening in a small degree. Christians are freaking out. They are in these areas, and they are worried. They are scared. And Peter writes this letter to them. Now, imagine you are in their shoes. You've heard rumors of people you don't know, but they're Christians just like you who are dying because of their faith. And if it's true... And if that's coming here, your life is going to be a little bit scarier. What if you were at somebody's house talking about these very scary things and you hear that there's a letter from good old Pete that's just arrived and somebody says it's good news. So with excitement, good news, good news from Peter, let's go read it. So you read verse 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion. He has three words that he throws at them very quickly, right at the start. This is in the greeting section. This is usually just, okay, who is writing this letter? To who is it going? What's the context of this letter? Peter is already starting out with three strong words that set the tone for this whole book. Elect, exiles, and dispersion. The elect, those who are chosen, those who are called out, those who are special and who have value. Peter is writing to Christians. He wants this to know. This is for Christians. This is an encouraging letter. Okay, this is for Christians. The elect, awesome. Elect exiles. That's not usually such an exciting word. You are exiles. You have been called out. You are outsiders. You are almost seen, or should be seen, as aliens. 
wherever you are, you are not in your home. You have been cast out. And then the elect exiles of the dispersion. So uh, the diaspora for the Jews was them being sent out, them being uh, cast far and wide. And Peter is cluing into this idea of being dispersed, and he's saying, brothers and sisters, you have been dispersed. You don't just get to hang out with all the cool people like you used to in a place that you knew, in a place that you loved, in a place that you were really familiar with, and instead, you now find yourself in a new culture sitting in the midst of an old culture. So Peter is addressing this to them, and right at the start are three really strong words that help people know, okay, Peter knows where we are. He's reminding us of what we need to be about. But before they can get stuck and realize we're exiles, why did he start a letter with good news telling us we're exiles? That's not really getting my spirit up. He continues on. He says it to where it's going, verse 2, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. Do you notice, real quickly, Peter has hit all three persons of the Trinity, God the Father, Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ. He is reminding them, you are the elect exiles of the dispersion because the Holy Trinity has put you there. You are where you are because it pleases God. He is okay with this. Remember who's in charge. Okay, okay, I'm in exile, but God wants me here. This is good. Okay, and then he continues on with this encouragement. Look at verses 3 through 12. Three for, we're going to look at 3 through 12. This is really hitting what Jesus, through Peter, is wanting those Christians to do. Again, remember, they are being persecuted. They are worried about being persecuted. They, they think things are about to crumble. And so Peter says, I want you, give me your attention. I want you to take your eyes and I want them to look up. I want to take your eyes and I want them to look forward. And I want to take your eyes and I want you to look back. Look up, look forward, look back. Verses 3 through 5, this is the up. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Kind of breath of fresh air. Praise be to God. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. So this is so much fun. This, if, if you are going to pay attention for any of this sermon, this is where I want you to focus on. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. Jesus has been the mover. Jesus has been the actor. He is the one who is calling. He is the one who is making new. This is on his shoulders. He has made this happen. And he is telling these Christians, don't forget. This is what Jesus has done for you. He caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. He's raised their eyes up to Jesus. He's reminding them who this is for. 
and what he has done. He is reminding them who is God and what has he done. Who is God? What has he done? This is what Peter is keying in on. And then he says, but remember, it's not just that God says, I'm awesome, come follow me. He has also promised us an inheritance and it's coming. It's coming. It's undefiled, imperishable. It's not going away. It will be there. So trust in it. Hope in it. Wait for it. Verse 5, who by God's power. So when it's now talking about who, this is referring to the us. Okay, so he's reminded you have been born again. Jesus has caused you to be born again and you by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter has taken their eyes, he's lifted them up to God and says, being a Christian should be centered on Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. He has a promise for you. He has worked for you. And in your favor, focus on him. Look to him. He will be good. He is the hope that will not fade. Now, I find it funny if you all did as well. Hope is something that we all as people love. We want it. We need it. Because hope keeps us alive. It keeps us going. If we, if we have a trip coming up, we can keep plowing away at work because that trip is around the corner. You know, we can finish school because summer break is coming. I find it funny that every politician runs a campaign on hope. Everybody. It's always on the what's to come. It's going to change. It's going to be different. Obama ran on it and Trump ran on it. They both promise lots and lots and lots of things. We will give you hope. Vote for me. Put me in office. I will change everything. They do change a lot of things, but they aren't our hope. Jesus comes forward and says, I am your living hope. I am the reason that you have come to faith, and I am the reason that you are going to carry forward. I am going to be your hope in every moment of every day. So Peter raises their eyes to Jesus, and then he points them forward. Look at verses 6 through 9. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. He at least acknowledges, Peter at least acknowledges, things are not going really well. You've got persecution. You guys are freaked out. I get it. I know it. So there's acknowledgement. He's hearing them. And then he moves forward. Verse 7. So that... You have trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is coming back. So it's kind of funny because Peter is writing to them and he's almost going back through the basics. Jesus has saved you. Jesus has promised that he will return. He is coming back. This is not all that there is. He will restore you. He is going to come back. Keep looking ahead. Keep looking forward. Hold on to that hope. Verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Look forward. 
As you have looked to Jesus, he has given you hope. As you are looking forward, he has promised to come back for you, to restore you, to make you whole. It's out there. I promise. Look forward to it. Don't forget. And as these Christians are kind of pawing through these questions in their minds and saying, why are we Christians? What is this about? Is this really worth it? Who are we Christians for? Verse 10. Now, concerning this salvation, the one that's coming, the one that is here for you, but it will be fulfilled in Jesus when he returns, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. When they were making these prophecies, it wasn't as if that they turned their brains off. They were getting words from the Spirit that said, there is going to be a Christ, and he is going to be coming. And as they're making it, there's got to be that little bit in them. It's like, okay, is it coming tomorrow? How about, how about next week? Is this for me? Is this for my family? Is this for my friends? Is this for my neighbors? They were both excited, but they couldn't see around the corner until the Spirit revealed to them this. Verse 12, it was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. And the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. These people had been told about Jesus, God's good news, God's plan to come and rescue humanity, to come along, to restore and have a solid relationship that is building up to the way that it was supposed to be. That's through Jesus. And people prophesied about it, but it hadn't come yet. It hadn't come yet, but they continued to serve God for the interests of others. They continued to be faithful, knowing that it wasn't about them. It was about those who were yet to come to Christ, those who were yet to be reunited, okay? So Peter has told them, look up, focus on Jesus, look forward, focus on what's to come, and don't forget to look back. See the people who have served you. This is hope. This is reason for you to be a Christian, okay? This is his message for them at the time. Now, he doesn't just leave it there. Peter has brought their eyes up to Christ and he has said, he is your hope. But hope does not come without a purpose. Hope does not come and is aimless. In fact, hope brings with it an intention. If you have hope, it is calling you to something. What is that something? Verse 13, therefore, So based upon everything that I have just said, Peter says, Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded. That isn't just meaning don't drink. It means being of clear thought, being of single focus. Brothers and sisters, at the time when this was written, Peter is wanting to remind them, stay focused on what matters. Stay focused on what matters. I know it's freaking you out that persecution is all around you. I know it's freaking you out that you feel like outsiders, that you are on the outs, that you don't feel at home. Don't get distracted. Be of sober mind. Be of a clear head. 
Know what the direction is. Prepare your minds for action. You're going to be doing something. Hope comes with a purpose. What is that? Set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Be about what you need to be about. Peter reminds them, set your hope fully on the grace that is coming through Jesus Christ. Verse 14, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. So when we're thinking about this being an everyday church, we first have to start with what does it mean to be an everyday Christian? And there are two cultures. Christians were a part of one culture. They were not Christians. They did not know Christ. And now that they have come to Christ, he's called them to something new. They find themselves in this newness, but they are surrounded with the old culture. And it just seems so easy to go back to that old culture, to go back to the way that you used to do things. Because it's easy. You know how to do that. They knew how to do that. It's real simple. And so Peter is having to remind them, don't lose focus. Don't be lulled into this this sense of fake peace, that it's all going to be okay. Draw your eyes back to Christ, see him as your hope, and then live every day as he is calling you. Don't be fooled into just living like you used to. Don't be fooled. Don't be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Verse 15, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. If you all have heard me once, you've heard me talk about the fact that we act out of who we are. And who we are is informed by who God is and what he has done. So the being precedes doing. Peter doesn't just say to the people, okay, you're in this new culture, start acting right. Be holy. It doesn't just come out of nowhere. Instead, it comes out of rooted in God's holiness. Because he is holy and because you reflect him, be holy. Be like him. Be new. Be restored. That's what you're to be about. To be an everyday Christian, to live this out, isn't about just doing it because you have to. There is a hope that is given and a new life that we are called to. With this hope comes a call to holiness. We are given the ability to be holy because he is holy. It goes on, verse 17. If you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. This Verses 17 through 19 are a really, really wordy way to say it cost a lot, For Jesus to die for you, remember what was paid for you, Christians. Christ has given his life and he has given you an opportunity for hope. Remember that. In the everyday, remember that. 
Verse 20, for he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but it was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you who through him are believers in God. This is through Jesus. This is not of our work. God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Peter continues to draw on this idea of hope. This is about hope. It is about not staying in the moment, but setting that hope and focus on Christ and setting that hope on what he has called us to. Verse 22, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God, for all flesh is like grass and all its glory like the flowers, uh, flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. Peter has come to these Christians, new Christians, And he's reminded them of the things that are most important. He's brought their eyes up to look at Christ. And he said, this matters. Jesus matters. Don't forget who he is and what he has done. And then he puts it in front of them and says, don't forget where he's calling you, what he's calling you to. Don't forget who he has made you to be. Because with his holiness, or with his hope, came holiness. He has called you to be something more. As I have continued to read 1 Peter, and I think as you all have have read it and heard about it today, I think it is not too hard to see there's a pretty direct connection to who we are and some of the questions that we have today. I find myself asking, why am I a Christian? What is this about? How am I to live this every day? The funny thing is, for all of us, for most of us who have been everywhere, around the world, around the country, we have even been told to be a good Christian just means you need to show up in church on Sunday. So for all of you, according to our culture, you all get a gold star. I have no gold stars for you, but congratulations, you made it. But that is not what Jesus has promised us. He has called us into an everyday faith. He has called us into an everyday relationship. And he wants us to bear his light to the watching world. Now, I am not going to say this about everybody, but I am going to lean to assume that most people in this room are already Christians that we have put our faith in Christ and we trust him. What Peter is talking about is not inviting more people to church. What Peter is talking about is living this every day. What Peter is talking about is being Christ where we live, where we work, and where we play. If we think the one time of the week we act like we have our stuff together, is church then who are we all the other days? Who are people going to see in us? Peter calls them to holiness because he says, 
Christ in you is going to make the difference in the world. Be holy as I am holy. And so God says to us through this passage that Jesus is our hope. Jesus is your hope. Jesus is my hope. He has called us to him to raise our eyes up to Christ. And then out of that hope, he is sending us all back out into the world so that we can be the everyday Christians, so that we cannot get distracted by the things that our neighbors are doing, by the things that we used to do, by the things that are pulling us away from Christ. But he's saying, Push those aside. Focus in on me, Jesus, your hope. And out of that hope that I have called you to, I will empower you to be filled with the Spirit and sent out in my name where you live, where you work, where you play. And so today, I want to call us to look towards Jesus. Let's not look elsewhere. Everything else is just going to disappoint. Everything else is going to let us down. It already has. Let's look to Jesus as our hope. And Peter called them to live a life that was for others. So as we look to Jesus, we look towards others. Just like the prophets of old lived out their faith to God for others, Jesus is calling us to do the same. Who has God put in your life that he is asking you to reach out to? Who are you serving, not for your own faith, but for theirs? Who are you living out your holiness in front of? And then out of us being called to others, we look at the life that God has called us to, and we say, how can we live that out faithfully? How can we be holy? How can we reflect what God has given to us? Now, as Sammy and the band make their way up here. I want you to just close your eyes. And just like last week, as we were thinking about people that God has called us to love and care for, this week, with your eyes closed, ask God, God, who have you called me to love? Who have you called me to serve? What does it look like, Jesus, for me to be an everyday Christian? What does it look like for me to live as the everyday church? As you have your eyes closed, if God is bringing anybody to mind, if you are seeing any faces, write down those names. And this week, as we prepare to live faithfully in light of what Jesus has done for us and what he has called us to, pray for these names. And if during this time, God has brought up things that are keeping you from following him, things that are lying to you and telling you that they are your hope, write them down and bring them to Jesus. Christ wants you to be free. He is your hope. If there are things in your mind that you know are keeping you from living a life that Christ has called you to, give it to Jesus. 
ask for his power and moving past these things that are trying to hold you back to the old ways, the old culture. Look to Jesus and the new life he has given you. Christ, I ask that you move in this room. Bring the eyes of everyone to you. Let us see you as our hope, the living hope that we can trust right now. Spirit, move in our hearts and remind us that you are empowering us, that we're going to live this life faithfully because of your work. Father, guide our hearts and our minds. Move in such a way that we are restored by you. It's in your name, Christ, we pray. Amen.